Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. So the day of Pentecost, all of them. So we know in that upper room, probably where the Last Supper was, close probably to the Jewish temple, actually, they were all in this upper room in one accord. There's 120 about, plus Jesus' mother and, and this group there. And they stayed there for the 10 days after Jesus ascended to the day of Pentecost. And you think, the day, when the day of Pentecost came. Can you imagine waiting for something and not knowing the day it's coming? Right? So they're sitting there and said, okay, wait in Jerusalem, he ascends. Okay, it's the first day, it's the next day, we're waiting. And nothing happens. Go, okay, well, maybe it's the second day, nothing. Well, you know what, three days he rose again, right guys? It's got to be the third day. Third day, it's kind of Jesus' thing. Okay, we got, okay, third day comes and goes. Okay. And then the fourth day, it's like, okay, what's going on here? We're getting close. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Jesus, seven, the number of perfection, you know, we're ready. It's going to be the seventh day. You know, this is going to happen on the seventh day. Then the seventh day goes and comes away. And we're still sitting there. We're seeking, we're praying and waiting upon the Lord. And the eighth day comes and the ninth day. And finally, the day of Pentecost comes. And, and, and you know, it's not like they're, they didn't know who the Holy Spirit was. The 12 disciples and, and, and actually 70 of them were sent out in twos, given power by the whole, by, through Jesus to, of the Holy Spirit to them to go be witnesses and do miracles on his earthly ministry. They were aware of what the Holy Spirit was. They had it breathed on them, but yet this experience. And so could you imagine if you're sitting around waiting for something and God to do something? How many people go, was that it? Did you... Did you see something? Did something shake? You know, here in the Central Valley, you know, we have trains. So you'd think every train that passed, was it was that the Holy Spirit? No, it's just a train. You know, you, you know, when we first moved up here from the high desert and Big Bear Lake and stuff, we had earthquakes, but we did not have trains. So when you're up here, suddenly you get a train. And when you move into the valley and you haven't lived in the valley, every time a train passes, you know, you start to brace. And now I can't tell you when a train passes. I don't even hear them, and they're a couple blocks from our house. You know, I'm sure if you know, somebody moved in a neighborhood, wow, that train's close. Well, not for us anyway. I mean, we don't even realize it, you know? And so you sit there, and I mean, you can imagine them sitting around with the anticipation. Was that it? Was this it? You know, waiting. Was, was this it? Well, you know, go try to heal somebody. Let's see what happens. Were they, you know, maybe they had hot coals laid out, and they're like, okay, you try this time. No, I mean... <laughs> See if you can walk on coals or whatever there. I mean, there's all kinds of things we can kind of come up with. And so this day came, the day of Pentecost, which the day of Pentecost or the feast of Pentecost was the, the kind of like a festival, a harvest festival. And the first one was kind of, of had oats and stuff in it. But this was a big, big festival of a harvest of the wheat. And the first sheaves of wheat would be given to the Lord. They would, the, there would be a, a festival. There would be a sacrifice. They would take two loaves of bread, not like wonder bread, but the priest would take two loaves of bread and, and they would wave them as an offering in front of the Lord in, in, in the ceremony there. And it was interesting bread because in every other Jewish ceremony, it, it did not have leaven in it. This bread had leaven in it and oil. Kind of seems to talk of um, the fact that there was going to be Jewish believers and Gentile believers in that sense. And so they would wave this. And so it's there, this time has come, and, and the first fruits, the, 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 the festival, really, of what they call the first fruit, kind of like harvest, that would be given to the Lord of everything they had. And so 
on this day, suddenly they're waiting and they're all together in one accord, praying, seeking the Lord. And what's interesting, we know there's about 120 some disciples there. We don't have them all by name, but you got to wonder who was there. Which, which, which besides the 12 and the couple named were there? Was there, was there blind Bartimaeus who was healed on the road, calling out and followed Jesus to the Christ with his, his new sight, seeing the Savior die? Was he there in that room? You know, there's times when there was huge crowds and Jesus healed everyone there. There isn't a crowd of 5,000. Only 120 is kind of interesting, right? You think of, okay, uh, Lazarus, was he there? I mean, you think of all the different people who were there and, and, and who wasn't there. And, and was it, you know, not to say, you know, if you were a disciple of Jesus in a sense, but there was hundreds, there was thousands of disciples at times and not all of them were there. What happened? And not to say they weren't where they were supposed to be, but it's interesting that there's 120 seeking the Lord, and they were there, their heart was there, they are one accord, they're desiring those things. And in verse 2 it says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And so it said the sound of a wind not wind itself so it's not like they're sitting there and like a tornado's going on and everyone's like hold on you know no it's the sound of it and and it's interesting when you think of the sound of wind and why wind well i think it goes really simple with the even when you go from the greek the hebrew and even the latin that the wind and breath or air always was the same term and when you talked about the spirit of god it was always a wind a breath and air same same words so there was no confusion that it was a train it was really clear this is we're hearing this we can't see it it's something that's totally understandable and you can see that it, you know was real because you can hear it even though you can't see it you can't touch it it's not you know tangible okay you know science we know sound waves and stuff but Sitting there, it was really clear. There was no mistaking what was going on to them. They understood this is it. This is what we were called to wait for. And so even when you look back and you think of the Spirit of God, you know, the Spirit of God that, you know, um, was the winds that were over the face of the earth when it was created, the breath that was given to Adam, you know, that was breathed in into him to make him come alive. And, and you look at the, the wind in this sense, right? And suddenly this wind fills the room from heaven and it fills it. And so the sound is there and they can hear the Holy Spirit rushing in as a mighty wind, so it's loud, and it full, filled everywhere. Everywhere everyone was sitting, you could hear it. And it's interesting that, you know, simple things to kind of note. They did not sit there and stir it up. It wasn't something they created. It came from heaven. It was directed not from men or, or from their faith and amount of prayer and a buildup. You know, can you imagine, even if you were going to a great movie or a great situation, the excitement Right, we're gonna go there, you get in line. How long does it take you camping on a sidewalk until the excitement's kind of gone? You know, how many people you think leave a line at a point going, I, you know, it's, it's just done. By day 10, 
if this was a feeling that was getting stirred up, I think it's over. I don't know about you guys, I'm not that most emotional guy. I would have been done with the emotion of it probably in six hours. I'd been like, okay, wake me up. I'm taking a nap. I'm going to go lay down. You know, somebody needs to get firewood. I would have been, you know, waiting by helping and serving in some way. You know, like I said, I don't sit still well, you know. And, and there's some of you, God bless you guys, we get in a prayer meeting, you can pray for a half an hour. And that's just not me. But, you know, they're there for 10 days. This isn't an emotional hype. This wasn't a buildup of, ooh, ooh, and all excited, and we get excited, and then it happens. And I really think God made them wait for that purpose, too. It wasn't their amount of faith. It wasn't how they felt about it. It came from heaven. It came suddenly in God's timing. And it wasn't from men. And in verse 3, we kind of see some other aspects of it, of the Holy Spirit and how God's working in this way. And it says, Then there, were, there appeared to them divided tongues of fire. One sat on each of them. Now, it's like fire. This appears like fire. It isn't actually fire, okay? If this was fire and this was actually wind, it would be a very, very bad hair day, okay? It just would not be working well. So, and it's divided tongues. That doesn't mean it's like you got two lights on your head. It means it was coming down and it was resting on everyone. It wasn't one person. It was resting on all of them. And it's there and it looks like fire, a light shining that sat upon each of them. And it's interesting, when you look at Scripture and you see fire from heaven or God's presence, it always seems to be represented by fire. Think in the Old Testament. It's a burning bush. When God was pleased with an offering, did the priest have to get the flame out and light it? No. God had it consumed from heaven. Fire would come down when he was pleased and consume an offering from heaven, showing his approval. And so, as the Holy Spirit is being poured out and the rushing wind comes in, and you see this fire that is resting upon him, which I truly believe is God saying, hey, this is my approval, I'm all for this, I'm with this, I'm part of this, and it sits there. And even beyond that, to look at Scripture, to kind of, you know, just even look, Matthew um, 3.11 John kind of prophesies, he says, Indeed, I baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So John saw this coming as he prophesied through the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit is going to come, and it's going to be with a fire, a baptism that is fire, and so this represents God's there. And um, sadly, though, I mean, there's, there's things out there, I mean, if you, you can just imagine, I mean, the church gets so divided over stuff and things and, and tries to split it. To me, this seems pretty clear. There is a baptism. What does baptism mean? It means to be soaking wet. When you're baptized, you're dripping, okay? Can you dry out? Yes. Do you sometimes have to get, you know, there's two experiences. There's definitely an indwelling and there's definitely an upon experience of the Holy Spirit. This is definitely, yes, a unique experience. Do we see people getting baptized with the Holy Spirit and you're like sitting there with your phone pulling out going, do I got my camera right? Is it picking up the light? Do I got a flame above my head? No. This was unique. We never see this anywhere else in Scripture. But the experience and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit isn't unique. 
We see it repeated in Scripture. We see, we see Paul praying for it. We see Peter praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and God pouring out the Holy Spirit and God changing lives. And every time the Holy Spirit's poured out on a person or in a situation, God works and amazing things happen. Even on the Old Testament, when you go through and goes, the Holy Spirit was upon him and God uses this man and God uses this man. Most of the time, Almost the whole time in the Old Testament, besides a couple times it mentions the whole nation of Israel, this is the first account you have the Holy Spirit coming and, and not just resting on a person, but many people, and, and God using them in that way. And so you see this experience, and I mean, I, I sit there and I kind of was cringing when I was thinking that this, there's, there's a book titled out there, and you can read it if you want, but it's, it's I don't believe it's biblical, called Strange Wind, Strange Fire. How do you come up with that title? Based off, I mean, strange wind, yeah, this was strange wind and strange fire, but it was from God, and it was correct, and it was holy, and it was his purpose. And you look at that, and you kind of look at these things, you know, and again, yes, we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, all of them for today. But at the same time, we believe God's a God of order. And so, you know, some church, you go, oh, yeah, we believe in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then, you know, somebody wants to stand up in the middle of the service and speak in tongues. Well, we believe the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. And he has a will. He has a purpose. And he doesn't get up and interrupt himself. Only unless your pastor is not full of the Holy Spirit and teaching not from the Holy Spirit, why would he stand up and interrupt? You know, Holy Spirit's being used. He's not going to interrupt what's going on. God's a God of order. And very much since he's the third person of the Trinity, you would not get up and order Jesus around. He's not a power. He's not a force. This isn't Star Wars, okay? It's not like, you know, you tapped into the special whatever. No, he's the third person of the Trinity. He has a will and a plan. And, and he is equal in the Godhead. And he isn't going to take orders from any man. Now, if you seek God and he empowers you to do his will and his calling, it works. And another real key thing when you look at the empowering of the Holy Spirit, now the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, I truly believe, is for us. Is for us. Our salvation, him living in us, him purifying us, him making us holy, him speaking to us. That's why there's never a gray area in the Bible. Because the Holy Spirit tells you, no, that's wrong. But, you know, if I twist this verse just right, no, that's wrong. You know, I know you guys know what I'm talking about because you're not just like me. You, you, you know, we all do it, right? We all sit there and, well, it's kind of a gray area. Why is it a gray area? Because I want to do it, <laughs> you know, because I'm planning on doing it and I just got to find some justification here, you know. I'm sure you could probably almost Google any of that. Get Bible verse to justification for blank. I bet you they pull some up. Anyways, save you some time of uh, mental gymnastics or whatever. But you sit there and you look at the third person of the Trinity, his will and his power, and the power of the Holy Spirit that's coming along uh, upon them in this sense, and, and, and sitting there and it's divided and God's presence is there. And this is for all of them. This is for every believer. This power that's available. And in verse 4 it says, And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to praise God. 
and with tongues that weren't theirs. And you go, okay, why this gift of tongues, you know, at this time? And if you go through the gifts, you can look in, in 1 Corinthians 12, and you can look at all the different gifts of the Holy Spirit. And if you go through the different gifts of the Holy Spirit as you come across them in Scripture, this is the most appropriate gift for this time. Again, it is in Jerusalem, and you'll see this as we go through the verse of five, where they were, where the crowds were, and how important this gift was. But the thing for us is, too, as you seek the Holy Spirit and you, you look towards the Holy Spirit and you're asking God to fill you, you're asking for God's direction, you're seeking Him for your life, and to serve Him, and he fills you with the Holy Spirit, he's going to give you the gifts that are appropriate and are needed for the situation. I know that kind of seems strange, but doesn't that kind of make sense? If I'm going to send somebody to go tear off a roof, I'm going to give them the proper tools. I'm not going to send them onto the roof with a backhoe. They would think that would be easier, I'm sure, but it's not going to work. You know, there are certain things in roofing um, we run across. You know, my safety guy. Oh, you guys don't wear steel toe boots? No, we do not wear boots on roofs. They're dangerous. Why? Well, because a boot grabs your ankle. And when you're standing on a roof pitch, the last thing you want is something twisting your ankle downhill all day long. It's unsafe. And soles of boots are worse. And now they came out with these, you know, usually you get cheap shoes, go, go through them quick. Now these cheap shoes have what? not real rubber soles. They have styrofoam, whatever, pressed soles. You know what those do on plywood? You know what ice skates do on ice? About the same thing. <laughs> you got to tell guys, you need real rubber soles. And every once in a while, I have to catch them. What are you doing? You can't stand on the roof with those. It's not an uh, opinion. It's a gravity fact. But you sit there and you, and you look at these things and you go, again, God poured this gift out at this time because it had a purpose. And the purpose was, again, they were praising God with their tongues. They're talking about the wonderful things of the Lord. And of those things, the point of this gift, you'll see, let's look in verse 5 here. And it says, in verse 5, it says, And there, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when, it, and when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone had heard them speaking in his own tongue. So were they just hearing the wind and came and checked out, okay, we hear this wind first, this noise, and then wait, they get there and they're speaking, or were they speaking so loud that this multitude around could hear? And again, in the day of Pentecost, sometimes actually, most of the time in Jerusalem, depending on the weather, there'd be more people in Jerusalem at the day of Pentecost than even Passover because you could have ships that could sail in that time of year to where they couldn't sell at the time of Passover. The weather was changing right then. And so most likely, again, we're, we're, we're assuming they're close to the temple, which the temple was a lot bigger than it was. The, the outskirts of the temple was a lot bigger than today. It'd be like kind of having, having a hotel across from, you know, the arena or something. So something starts going on and everybody, you know, waiting around the hotel in that area start to hear what's going on. And so they hear them, and, and they're speaking. And in verse 7, then it says, And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, aren't these not, or are not all these who speak Galileans? So they're looking at them, and they can tell by, you know, their, their uh, attire and who they are that they're Galileans. You know, they dress different. Okay, they, you know, 
nowadays you can tell somebody generally between, you know, you, you, can, you can tell a crowd if you look at a crowd, right? You look up and you go, wow, look, they're, they're yeah, they're all Raiders fans. No, or whatever you can see, you know. We still have some groupings out there, you know, and then you can pray for them. You know, but um, you, you look at these things, and, and so they look at them, they can tell by the way they're dressed or, or whatever, you know, hey, these are all Galileans. But in verse 8 it says, and now, and now, or how is it that we hear each one in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and uh, those who dwell in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, I'm horrible with these names, Pontus and Asia, uh, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya, Libya adjoined to Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and apostolites and centurions, uh, or Cretans and Arabs, where we, uh, we heard them speaking in our own tongue the wonderful works of God. And so you see these, and as they're there and they're speaking in all these different languages, and, and really this is like basically people from the whole known world gathered there, and they're speaking. It's interesting that they're speaking, and they're speaking in what? Languages that are men's languages that men understand. They weren't speaking in some special language or anything else. They were given a gift to speak in it. It wasn't, the gift wasn't for them. Who was the gift for? The gift was for these people for what purpose? Here they're glorifying God in a language that other men understand so they can understand what? Who God is. It was for other people. And they're praising God and this gift was given for these things. And again, you look at all the different gifts. What better gift would there be? I mean, there's good gifts in different situations, but in this situation, the Holy Spirit comes on and tongues of fire come on it and the gift of helps comes out. And guys like Pedro run out and start fixing, you know, chariot wheels or something. No, this is the best gift for this situation, right? Of what's going on and the men that are there and to share the good news of what God's doing. And, and as we look and we'll continue through next week, you'll see how much it opens up the gospel and what God does through this gift. But the gift was not for the 120, was it? Was it for their benefit? Were they all excited to go, hey, look, I learned four more languages? No. You know, they, did, they didn't understand exactly what they were saying. They, uh, they uh, had an understanding of what they were saying, but they did not, you know, now went over and said, okay, now I can speak this language fluently from here on out. No. The gift was for others. And literally, the, again, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is for us. It changes us. It, it, it drives us to holiness and those things and corrects us and guides us. It's our helper. But the power of the Holy Spirit is to be a witness. He says, right, before you guys go out, before you be witnesses to me, I want you to stay for the power of the Holy Spirit, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So when you go through and you look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they're not for you. They're for you to share God's love with other people. 
That's a proper application of the gifts of the Spirit. And you see these things go there. It is not to exalt yourself. It's not to get a crowd. It's not to, oh, look at me and how special I am. No, it is to give glory to God. Anytime you see a gift of the Holy Spirit being used properly, it should glorify God. And so you see these things. In verse 12, it says, So they are all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What could this mean? And others mockingly said, They are full of wine. They must be drunk. I don't know about you. I've not been drunk. But most drunk people I've ever ran into do not speak other languages fluently and praise God at the same time. I've seen people try to praise God drunk. It doesn't work out too well. I mean, there was a, a, a yeah... We, we kind of have an inside joke at our house because um, I was, uh, you get jury duty in Stockton. That's always fun to go visit downtown Stockton when you get a chance. There's some entertaining things. But there was a man there in a coat with a Bible. I think, yeah, coat and a Bible. And he was talking to the delineator concrete thing in front of the building, yelling at it, saying, who told you you were naked? You know, and giving it a sermon. So we always joke around sometimes in my house, who told you you were naked? Anyways, just like, you know, you know. Again, if you're consumed with alcohol, you're not speaking fluent languages. I mean, if that case was, a lot of us would have passed Spanish in high school with no problem, right? It just, you know, doesn't happen that way, you know? And so you sit there and you look at these things. Again, these things are for the body, these things are for others. Those things are, and many times, for the unbelieving body. There are some gifts that definitely bless and encourage the body of believers. And, and when you go through the whole body of Christ, we all have different gifts. You know, you don't have two arms. You know, you, you, you have two arms, but not six arms. You know, you, you look at these things, no matter how much as a child you might want to have two arms, or even a mother, you know, or eyes in the back of your head or something. A proper body, God designed a proper body. In the church, he has the same body. What amazes me sometimes is, not amazes me, but what happens sometimes in a church, you get somebody comes in, they, they can, well, I don't see anybody doing this and this and this and this and all these things. I don't see, why doesn't anybody have the gift of this? And it's like, well, what do you have? The gift of that. Well, that's why you're the one seeing that that's not done and you see the need for it, so fill it. That's why you're part of this body, you know. And sometimes it's hard when you're gifted in a certain way to not understand that other people are not gifted in that way. You know what I mean? It's like, what do you mean you're not doing this? Isn't everybody called to have people come live in their house? I mean, come on. You know? At the same time, what, we were, what I realized is there's a lot of gifts of the Holy Spirit. How many gifts do you want? Well, I like them all, right? If you think about it, yeah, that'd be awesome. But do you need them all? You tell me, a man that sits at home does not get up and go to a job. Does he need any tools? A one that's unwilling to leave the house, does he need any tools? No. Well, I don't have any tools. I can't go to work. Well, how about you get up and you go to work, and guess what? You'll know what tools you need in there. You know, there, it was kind of interesting. I was sitting down with somebody, and they, he, they started going, man, Tim, you have the gift of this, 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 and started listening to these things. And I'm, my first thought is, no, I know I have this one, but those, I don't know about that or that or that. And I realized, no, suddenly all those gifts we had. Why? Because we started having people in our house. And again, if you're in my house, you do have the right to be used as an illustration, especially a sermon illustration. But the point being is, there are some people that we've had in our house that have increased our gifts tremendously. 
the gift of grace, the gift of mercy. It's like, who do you, you know? You guys want to grow in your gifts? We have some people we would recommend to you. No. <laughs> Just, right? But I didn't need those gifts until you have people there living with you, you know? And I don't know if it's a gift of patience, but one restroom will, you know, grow your patience, you know, some things like that. But you sit there and you go, okay, so how has God called you? What has God called you to? Every time you see in the Bible people waiting on the Lord, being filled with the Holy Spirit, God works. And it's called the Holy Spirit, not just the Spirit. What's the word holy mean? Set apart. We are to be set apart. He is set apart. You cannot serve God, be full of the Holy Spirit, and not set apart. The biggest thing that can destroy or at least stops the power, the work of the Holy Spirit in my life is me. You know, if you're seeking God, you're not self-seeking. You're not self-seeking, you're not self you know, looking to indulge yourself in some kind of self-indulgence. You're, you're not sinning. It's just one of those things that don't work. I can't be seeking God and sinning at the same time. I tried this growing up. I, you, you know, you're born again, you have two natures. You have a flesh nature and you have a spirit nature, right? Okay, so I'm growing up, you know, and okay, I will go help with that church event because that's what I should do and God's going to call me to do it and there's going to be pretty girls there. It doesn't work that way. You're, you're either, you know, you get there and you find out why are you here? If you've ever been part of a youth group, you look at some of these kids and go, why did you come to help out? Well, you know why they came to help out. There's a pretty girl over there or something. You know, Christian camp will reveal that real quick. It takes you about five seconds to figure out why half of these people are there and God works through that and gets through them anyways. But, you know, those things when you, you know, you used to always love that going, getting to go play um, kids, you know, get, go play like a little kid for a while up at junior high and winter camp. I know you guys were thinking I was being a responsible parent taking care of the kids, but no, that's what the staff's for. No, anyways, um, but you know, you, you look at these things and you go there, and if you're seeking the Holy Spirit, you're not seeking yourself. And if you're seeking God, he starts to give you a heart. He starts to change you. He's going to point out areas you need to grow in your life, things that need to change. You know, there are so many times that sin in our life, we, eh, not a big deal. Growing up, I, there was areas I had sin in my life and eh, wasn't a big deal. Why? It just affected me. Then I got married. And then that sin doesn't just affect me. It affects those around me. And God, you need to change me so I can be safe and don't destroy this person. God, I want to be used in ministry, but I need to be safe. God, what issues are there? I don't want to cause somebody to stumble. I don't want to cause somebody to fall. I don't want to, you know what I mean? Make me safe. I don't want to be benched, but man, you better change my heart because I can be d destructive. God, change me. And so you look there, and when you're seeking God, and he starts to give you a heart for others, and he gifts you for things, and you step out thinking, I am not ready for this. I cannot do this. And God goes, that's why you're going to do it. And everybody around you will agree. You cannot do that. That is not smart. And then they see what God does and it gives glory to God because they go, well, no, obviously God has done this and God's empowered it. That's where God uses you. That's where it's amazing. 
And so this morning we should be excited that that same Holy Spirit is available to us. And, and, and challenge, as it really has challenged me looking through this, is going take the time to wait to seek him. You know, how many times we'll, we'll take vacation time, we'll take this time, okay, well, we'll go to a men's retreat or something like that, and, you know, and you get to the men's retreat, and then it's all about was the food good or not. I mean, sometimes, right, especially in our culture, go, 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 it doesn't help, and then you've got your, your iPhone, this and that junk going on, you can all, you know, and the addiction that comes with that, and the dopamines and all that or whatever, you know, it's kind of scary when you look at some of that stuff, but... Take the time to seek God. What does he have next? You look at the men in the Bible, when they sought the Holy Spirit, what did God do in their lives, in the fellowship? What would God do in this fellowship if we were one accord seeking the Holy Spirit? What does he want to do? What if God filled us all at once with the Holy Spirit in that same manner? Right? Should be excited of what God's going to be doing and doing in those things. When we talk about, you know, getting together and praying and, and fellowship nights, that's the thing, is getting together and spending some time waiting on the Lord. And sadly, it seems puny compared to 10 days, don't it? What if we said, okay, guys, I'll get a hold of your employers. We are taking 10 days off and we're going to seek the Holy Spirit. Seek God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some are like, yeah, that's awesome. Some go, that's awesome. Where are we going in Hawaii to do this? You know, like, and who's paying? No. But it's just an interesting thought, you know. And, and when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it's different experiences, different times, different ways. You know, I remember when I was baptized in Big Bear Lake and Cedar Lake there. I believe I was about 15 years old. My dad was really sick. And um, it was a point where hadn't been baptized and it was my choice I wanted to trust God everything man I just Lord I want you to rule my life I want you to be in control of it and I remember when I was baptized the whole little lake up there we played in as kids and everything else man I tell you I it seemed like the wind was coming at me from every direction at that point I believe that was the first time I was full of the Holy Spirit, even though I didn't quite understand it as that at that point. I remember sitting down with a youth pastor later and talking about things and, and uh, him going, hey, Tim, have you ever prayed? And praying with him in the back of Big Bear Calvary Chapel. That same man I laughed at. I almost uncontrollably laughed at one time when he goes, you know, Tim, you have the gift to help in this and this. One day you're going to be a pastor. Ha, 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 I laughed. Sadly, that same man, full of the Holy Spirit, who was doing a, a Saturday night um, life Bible study at the church, very simple understanding of the Bible, very simply just teaching through the Gospel of John. I guess you'd call him kind of a hipster. I mean, he had a 51 Mercs, look back here and everything, you know. And Man, he was teaching through the Word, and people were coming all over Big Bear and getting saved, listening just simple Gospel. Then he went off to a seminary. Now he teaches against, just that's all he's against. He's against this, Calvinism only, dead church. And it's like, what happened? Well, he got educated. You know, somebody told him he didn't know enough. Man, he had the Holy Spirit, that's all he needed. You know? What do you need? You need to be equipped from and through the Holy Spirit. Be in the Word, be equipped, know what's there, know its voice. 
So, have you been, or have you been saved? First step, before you can be full of the Holy Spirit, do you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? Have you committed your life to Jesus? Have you said, I admit I've sinned. I believe, Lord, that you are Jesus. Your son came and died for my sin on the cross. And I commit my trust into you and you alone. And he'll give you the Holy Spirit. That you are saved and you're secure in that. And then number two, have you been baptized? Have you been dripping wet, just as coming out of water, that's the term, being soaking wet with the Holy Spirit, with his power, where you've had a heart for other people than yourself, where you see somebody and suddenly God's heart's beating in you for that person, and you think, man, even if you don't act, you know you're wrong for not. You know? So are you, do you need that? And so encourage you to take time to seek the Lord. We, we you know, it's, I, I love how the Holy Spirit works because this is Communion Sunday, so we get a little time to do that. And we're going to do communion here. If, uh, Phil wants to come up to do worship, and we're going to pass out the, the juice and the crackers all at once. And then we're just going to spend time worshiping the next two songs. And just between you and the Lord, you know, uh, just take time and take the elements when those times come, and I'll explain them a little bit here. But just take time with the Lord and seek Him. And maybe as you seek Him, He's going to say, you need to wait another 10 days. We need to spend some more time together. You know? But as you seek God in these areas in your life, go. I mean, if there was something to be excited about in your life, looking forward, from whatever situation you're in and all the busyness of life, God wants to do something amazing. God wants to work in your life and God wants to change it. He wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And if you've been full and maybe sometimes you need to be refilled. This was a new work. The gift here was for this time. What's the gift you need going forward from here? What is he calling you to stop out of? I don't know. Pray, seek him and see what he speaks into your life. And sometimes he might go, continue with what I've called you to do. And other times he might go, no. It's a new season. It's a new time. You know, coming up is January, and um, something I haven't told the leadership, but I'm telling them now, and the rest of the fellowship, January 1st, New Year's, we're going to get together, and we're going to pray and seek God for the next year, what he desires to do. In the first couple weeks, we're going to be praying and just seek him as a fellowship, what we're called. And then as people are called into different areas of ministry, women's ministry, and those things, and those that are called to be part of, like, women's ministry, children's ministry, we're going to pray and go, what should we do with the calendar and those things for the next year? We're going to spend January just seeking God, going, God, what do you want on the calendar? We've done things every year. We've done things, some things not years, and this year, and that year, and I think my mic's fighting with his mic. <laughs> but you, you sit there, and we seek the Holy Spirit. Oh, it's Holy Spirit. There it is, no. Holy Spirit pop. But you sit there and you look at those things and you go, okay, what is important for us to do? What are we called to do? Not what we have done. Do we do Fun Fest next year or not? I don't know. Let's wait and see what God wants to do. Let's pray. And that's what you know, we're going to spend some time doing, especially even just leading up to the holidays, just enjoying each other. Um, we're going to get together and have a cookie exchange and hot co- chocolate in December and kind of Thanksgiving together and 
hopefully when the my house gets a little more finished up, I can have you guys over where you won't fall through a floor and just hang out. Maybe just pray for the house and the neighborhood and those things. But, you know, just seek and be excited. But don't just be go, you can walk out of here this morning and go, okay, that was cool. You know, I should be excited, but... Now see, here comes the conviction, because my thought was, oh yeah, be excited, but Tim's going to get busy working on a house and forgot about it. What if Tim needed a heart transplant, and you were on that waiting list? You know, so many times you sit here and you look at believers and, and brothers and sisters that fall away, because they didn't know how important it was that they were waiting for, and they decided to get out of line. It's not a movie, it's not entertainment. God has a plan for your life. And the thing I'd hate to do is to sit down five years from now and go, man, I wish I would have waited on the Lord five years ago. Why didn't I do this 10 years ago? You know, many of us do that. You look back in your life, go, why didn't I just trust God and wait on him more? What was so important back then? Well, what's so important today? What's more important than what God wants to do in your life and how he's called you and the joy and those, the, the just amazingness that God does in those things? I look back through my life, there's very little things Tim planned to do that had much lasting joy. But the things that we trusted God with and walked in, in the Lord with and served him with, man, I look back, oh, those things were awesome. I'm sorry, I want, I want more highlights of what God's doing in my life currently. You know, I don't want to look back and go, why did I wait so long to do this or learn this thing or, you know. Done that a lot. You know, some of you guys... You know, I'm jealous. You guys came out of the world and went right into running with the Lord, man. Some of us have been raised in the church, and we're like numb to it. Yeah, I know God. He saved us. Uh-huh. Yeah, he made the trees. What's your problem? I mean, you're tripping out more than you were on drugs about this Jesus thing. Trust me, it'll go down. You're just new. Your excitement will go away. I mean, you'll be like the rest of us. I just, you know, regret being in church. Got to bear your cross, bro. I mean, all these... We can get so dumb. Right? I want God to work. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for just that you didn't leave us here powerless and lost, God, but you have a purpose for our life. You have power for our life that you give us everything we need just to live a blessed life regardless of our circumstances, regardless of the world around us, regardless of any wickedness that we can do and live just a blessed life full of your spirit that we get to be a part of your work, a part of seeing you go in and just change lives, God, and have our lives ourselves just changed. God, we just want to see you in a miraculous way, God, that we would just marvel at what you're doing in our own lives and around us, Father. Guide us this morning. Guide us this week. Guide us this next year, God. Help us just to take time to remember just to sit at your feet and wait upon you. God, that we wouldn't be moved by any feeling or any anything but your spirit coming down from heaven upon us, Lord. And just thank you. In Jesus' name.